Although I admit that it's been a few months prior since I have had anything close to being able to uh, say, yes, I've experienced something like this. Anybody want to venture to be about as brave as this guy? <laughs> Crazy, not a chance. I, well, not to this degree, but I've tried stuff like this. Really, really difficult. In a controlled environment with pads under me. Uh, slightly more of this fitting becomes crazy because you can see the pine trees underneath and kind of get the skill. And he's probably hundreds of feet up in the air doing this. And I found this one, this particular one, off an article of him actually trying to explain why he does this kind of stuff. And I enjoy climbing myself just as much as any other climber, but crazy. But there is something to the art of what this guy does in that climbers have this way of finding the smallest little things to be able to get their finger on or to get their toe on and just hang out and rest. This one's actually meant for your toe, but yeah, at some level, you try and hang out of this with your, with your fingertips. It's like, how in the world? There's chill out, look for the next move, whatever it's going to be, whether it's up a cliff 300 feet or just to the next move five feet up off a bunch of mats. We may look at, at something like this and think that's nothing. If you look closer, he's, you know, he's probably hanging on to his, with his fingertips like that, barely getting half a joint on there, but they can use it. One of my deepest, strangest theological ponderings that Satan must be a rock climber. And I hate to, to also be one and associate in that same kind of way, but Satan can do that same exact kind of thing. With a, find the littlest opportunity and hang on and set up his advance into our lives. We climbers call them footholds or handholds. Military science calls the concept strongholds. Get to a certain point, be able to, to set up base, and then from there be able to make a, move on to the next advance. For a climber or for Satan, provides us a place to advance from. So as I was thinking, what am I going to try and do between the SU series, Pastor Stephen coming and, and Lent getting ready to start, like, you know what, if we're going to go one-off, let's break down some strongholds. I'm going to go to Paul's writing in the book of Ephesians to do this. There is an awful lot here. We could probably cover just these uh, eight or nine verses till Easter itself. I promise we won't, but this comes from Ephesians 4, verses 4.25 through 5.2. Hear God's word through Paul. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Other translations will, will say that. Do not give the devil a foothold, hence where this imagery comes from. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. 
Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Here's where we're really going to zero in. Forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So what exactly am I going to consider strongholds? And so like I said, there's a lot of meat that we can go into here. Well, I had the honor of the last two weeks ago, I was working with our leadership team at the dojo and we're talking about awareness. And it's strongholds, I use kind of the, I use the, the idea of hot buttons with these kids. Those things that, you know, somebody, there's just that trigger that somebody says something or does something that just gets under your skin and you just want to hit them with the earth. And you just want to knock them out. And you think, they just did this. And I want to send them to Mars without any technology. And Paul's going to say, Forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Where's my Sharpie? That can just... Take that part out. Considering using that that phrase, that idea of strongholds, of anything that gives us that moment of pause, I think, do I really want to forgive this person? when I really just want to knock them off the planet. Because those are the kinds of things that all Satan needs is a little bit of that hesitation. Hmm, do I really want to forgive that Satan's like, yes, one more advance. One more advance. One more advance. Getting a little bit deeper and deeper into our hearts. Now there are certainly plenty of those objections, let's just call it that, objections that we might bring up. I don't want to forgive this person. I shouldn't have to forgive this person. Let's even go there. But I'm just going to hit a few of them. Hopefully it'll kind of help set up, maybe if there's some derivation, you know, you can take what we explore here and apply it to whichever version of what if you may come up with. So we're just going to We're just going to take some of these strongholds and pound them off the earth. So let's just start right off. Maybe maybe you've even caught yourself in in some of this kind of stuff. First thing of, you know, maybe we don't want to forgive something. So we just want to, whatever happened, we're just going to shove it under the rug. We're, We're going to not even pretend it happened. Doesn't bother me. I can handle it. I'm a stoic Guy, this tends to be probably more of a guy thing. Um, but there's a couple of us, so hey, let's go for it. I don't want to think about it. Erase it from my memory. Let me point us straight to what Paul said in verse 25. So then, putting away falsehood, 
denying falsehood kind of matches up. Let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are all, for we are members one of, of one another. Here's the thing. And maybe this is one of those things that I've learned experientially over years, but denying that something hurt us, offended us, whatever it is, honestly, isn't so much courage or strength or meekness. It certainly doesn't do the offender any good, any more than it does, than it does also any good any more than imagine a doctor who says, you know what, this is going to hurt your feelings if I tell you you're dealing with a really bad illness, so I'm just not going to tell you about it because I don't want to hurt your feelings. That doctor's going to get dislicensed real fast. Because sometimes, yeah, speaking the truth, sometimes it hurts to hear it. Sometimes it hurts to say it uncomfortable. And when we share, hey, you know what? You know, we would get with this person ideally one-on-one and say, hey, you know what? This bothered me. This rubbed me the wrong way. I don't... Something doesn't sit right about it. Yeah, there's 30 different ways they can respond. Not your issue. Not your thing to have to control. Your job is, what did Paul say? Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace, may, uh, the NIV puts it, may benefit those who hear. The fact is, if we don't deal with it, and this I will speak from more experience probably than, than ivory tower stuff, if we don't deal with whatever it is we need to think about forgiving, it will deal with us. Imagine this. If I had a firecracker, and I put it in my hand, and it goes off. Now, it's going to burn my hand. It's going to hurt. I'm probably going to be calling Dave up to say, hey, stitch me up, you know, graft me, whatever I I need to do. It's going to stink. But hopefully I'm going to recover. Now, let's say I'll use my nice fluorescent green foothold as a firecracker. Let's say I take it. Orange. Orange, yeah. It's so blinding fluorescent that I can't even tell what color it is. Let's say I take my firecracker, and I put it in my hand, and I bury it in there. And I shove it in there, and it's not in there. It's, there's nothing in my hand, and it goes off. Now... I'm going to be one-handed for the rest of my life. This is going to destroy me. Issues that need forgiveness can work the same way. When we shove them, deny them, pretend they're not there, they'll deal with us, usually not in very good ways. Bust down another stronghold, hit it with the earth. Forgiveness is just excusing on bad behavior. I won't forgive because I'm not going to say that whatever he or she did is okay. So therefore, I'm not going to forgive. Truth is, God's not asking us to say it was okay. 
Whatever it was. Sometimes it's simply words. Sometimes it's things far, far um, grander or more, you know, the scale of whatever it is that we're dealing with. God doesn't ask us to say it was okay. It's kind of a misconception what forgiveness is or how it works. So to illustrate that idea, that saying it's okay or saying it's not okay and forgiving can actually work together. I'm going to go straight to the guy who always got it right. Jesus. What he does in John 8. Now this is the story where the woman is caught in adultery and Jesus is teaching and the the chief priests bring this woman before Jesus, really with the hope of trapping him, getting him to say the wrong thing. It says, the law says she was caught in adultery so we get to stone her. We get to hit her with the earth. Jesus, what do you say? And he says, Jesus ponders, this is the part where he's writing in the sand and all that kind of stuff. It says, let him who is without stone, him who is without sin cast the first stone. And eventually all the accusers realize, uh, uh-oh, and the rocks fall, and they go about their own way. And it's the woman who's left alone with Jesus. How does he respond? He asks her after she realizes her life didn't end the way, you know, she's probably thinking, this is how it, this is how it ends, this is how I meet my maker. And he says, where are your accusers? She says, she kind of looks around, none of them, nobody around. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. No one condemns you. Jesus says, neither do I. Now stop sinning. He calls a spade a spade. He calls a sin a sin. He he doesn't sugarcoat it. He's like, yeah, there's something that I could condemn you for, but I'm going to choose to forgive you. Now stop doing it. We can say, similarly, we can say that was wrong, whatever it was, and yet do the same. This is one of those that, yeah, we do need to keep our attitude kind of in check and and there's a lot that can go on inside us that we need to, to keep in check as we're doing this and, and use to um, kind of acid test ourselves lest we go against some of the other main parts of this passage that we'll get into in a little bit. But what about another stronghold to knock off the face of the earth? Maybe you know this one. They should pay for what they've done. They deserve to get hit with the earth for what they did. I get this one. Certainly. I, I get all of these, really. Um, but this is another one where the attitude check uh, really starts to, to come into play because there's certainly an understandable, des- it's understandable to desire justice when we are wronged in some way or another. Nobody wants to, or nobody deserves to feel like a doormat. Like, they, like hey, people can just walk all over me and, and no consequences to it or whatever. But speaking particularly toward the attitude of wanting to say it this way, they should pay for what they did. I should get five minutes in a room with no windows with them. 
Let's contrast that with some of the ideas that Isaiah puts out in Isaiah 1.17. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. How would they should pay fit into some of that? Yes, I get there's a place, seek justice. And fortunately, we live in a country where there is some means, some process to trying to properly, um, ethically, morally seek justice in a, in a fair way. I'll leave it at that. But it sounds more like they should pay comes more out of an attitude of wrath or anger or didn't Paul say something about this in verse 31? Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. Hmm. I really get what I'm about to say. Because it may be really hard to want to let go of that. To, to stop from wanting to knock him off the planet. But if we trust God, then we can trust what Paul says in another one of his letters. In Romans 12, when he says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. When something is, somebody has been wrong, God takes notice. God doesn't just sweep it under the carpet, um, say, oh, it didn't happen. They, God will deal with it. And maybe it's not how we wish it would play out because we want it hard, fast, and knock them to Mars with no technology. But it will be a justice that's perfect if we let God handle it. And God can give us, God doesn't just say, okay, stay away, you know, vengeance is mine, enjoy that part. But God can actually give us the strength to help us hand it over to him. To help us put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. And that's one of those verses we could probably spend our entire lives just working on that one concept. What about one of the other things that's like, I don't know if I should forgive yet. I don't know if I want to forgive yet because, dang it, they need to say I'm sorry first. Or, let's go even one step further. I shouldn't forgive them because they're not sorry. I know I've, I've had that in my head and, and thought, hmm, yeah, they're, I, I know what they're thinking. They're not sorry. No matter what words are coming out of, the, out of their mouths. And that's when I had to tell myself, and I'll say again, just as much out of experience as the ivory tower stuff, if that's a thought, it's really time to take a look in the mirror. Because that leads to some trouble. Because as I had said, where there's certain things God doesn't ask us to do, Telling what is on another person's heart fits the bill of things we're not called to do. Nor are we required to. Nor, let's just be honest, we don't even have the ability to do. 
When we start making an assessment like that, they're not sorry. They, they don't deserve forgiveness. Oh, that one, that one, I didn't even think of. That one goes into a whole lot of issue. That gets real dangerous. What's our job in that kind of case? Let's say the person hasn't apologized. You know, you've told them what, is, what, is, what the offense was. You know, you've done that kind of stuff as well as you can according to what Jesus says in Matthew 18. And they're like, you know what? Go away. I'm editing this in my head because this can get uglier real fast in, in the one of 30 different ways that they could respond. What if we maintained a willingness to forgive? That even if they don't actually come out and say, I'm sorry, that that's where our heart lies. Because you know what? That's the part we can have some say-so over. We don't control whether they say the words or mean the words. or you know That's outside of our, above our pay grade. But I'm going to go back again to Ephesians 4.31 because it just bears going back to. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. As I said, this is one of those things that will keep, keep us busy all our lives, just trying to, to get our hearts in line with, with this one verse of calm. And prayerfully, there's the moment when an apology does come and, and your gut says, yes, this is sincere. And hopefully, if the situation is such, you can move on to reconciliation or restoration of the relationship. Now, yeah, there's some things that you can forgive and a person can apologize and the relationship will never be the same and maybe for the sake of safety and sanity, it shouldn't be. That's, you know, nothing says, hey, if bad things are going on and I'm sorry, I forgive you, all of a sudden, you know, everything is back like it was before. Not necessarily. But your job is to keep, our job, and put myself absolutely in with this, is to keep that willingness to forgive door open. It's up to the other person, yes, to step through. So let's say we've wrestled with some of these strongholds and, and come to the point of, of honestly asking ourselves a question. How do I know if I've truly forgiven? You know, Jesus had been called out a couple, uh, a couple of times when, um, of course, the passage is going to elude me, but where he asks people who kind of question him, which is easier to say, take up your mat and walk or your sins are forgiven? You know, take up your mat and walk. Well, that's one of those, hey, I can physically see this happening. Your sins are forgiven. You have forgiven. It's sort of one of those things that's it's tougher to, to visualize. So how do we know if we've truly forgiven? This is one time I'll say, check your feelings. Because I believe forgiveness is a choice. It's an action. It's something we... We're going to do, independent of our feelings. But the cool thing is we can ask ourselves a couple questions that can kind of just give us that acid test. Do I still expect them to pay for what they did? Again, whatever it may have been. Do I still have bitter feelings toward them? Do I see them in Wegmans and just for the sake of the memory of whatever it was, 
Do I go, you know what, I don't need bread today. I think I'm just going to go around and, and go down the beer aisle first. <laughs> Do I still have vengeful thoughts towards them? Do I still, five, ten years down the road, I still want to knock them off the planet? If no, then okay. For the moment, you're good. If you can't say no, or you hesitate, I'm not sure. First off, don't beat yourself up. Just make the choice again to forgive. Again, make that choice to forgive. Whether they say I'm sorry, whether they're, they repent or whatever, I'm, for the little bit of, it, of the story that I get to control, I'm going to choose to forgive. Maybe one of those choices you have to make every day. That's okay. Um, Lewis Smeads, I believe he's a psychologist, summarizes this idea very, very well in this quote. You will know that forgiveness has begun. I like the fact that he started out has begun. When we, you recall those who hurt you and feel, oh my goodness, feel the power to wish them well. Maybe, maybe you're working toward that. Maybe it's, I don't quite want to knock you all the way to Mars yet. I'll just knock you to Timbuktu. Maybe I'll just knock you to Savannah. Okay, that's progress. If you're asking yourself, though, have I truly forgiven? Here's the cool thing. and This is why I say don't beat yourself up if you're hesitant yet. I believe at that point still you're in good shape because if, you, if your heart were hard, you wouldn't care if you've forgiven or not. It wouldn't matter to you. Forget it. I'm just going to knock them off the planet. If you need to make that decision again, God empowers us to do so. Here's my prayer that this idea gets you started. Because again, forgiveness can be a day-by-day thing. And sometimes we have to keep on... All right, I forgive. I can forgive this person. I can forgive this person. I can see them at the other end of the bread aisle and not want to grab a gallon of milk and waste the three ninety five to club them with <laughs> club them with a gallon of milk. Welcome to life on this side of heaven. But the things that can happen when forgiveness takes place, it can give us a real nice view of what the other side is like. Let's pray together. Lord, you call us through your servants that have written, that penned your word. You call us to a high calling to be willing to forgive, to Use you as an example to forgive others as you have forgiven us. So Lord, give us the strength. Give us the heart that says, I choose to forgive instead of to hold a grudge, to hold over, to to desire vengeance. Just give us the strength to do it. We count on you. And we are confident you will show up yet again. All this we pray in your name, Lord. Amen.